0: Mark. So, uh, Michael, I don't think i ever called him Michael. No. Commonly know as Mick. Mick has a similar accent to myself, so if you're struggling with me, I want to close your for Mick. Those are Irish tones. Mick is, uh, has been an urban design tutor here for the last couple of years, a um, big part of the urban design program and all our studio teaching here, and the yearbook that we'll introduce later, and, but also conducts a series of different researches um, and field. You know, like to talk today of temporary organism, um, oh, happy healthy, temporary. You so, key yeah it's a progressively critical take actually on happy healthy temporary development I'm going to try and do the cameraman a favor and stand here essentially <laughs> all right so there's a long-standing connection between the presence of vacant and derelict land and a wide range of negative socioeconomic implications and consequences whether it be Income or employment or health, uh, housing, living environment, or crime. And temporary use has always been a response to mediating the problem of vacancy and dereliction. And the common response has always been good quality surface car parking. <laughs> but in the Post recessionary, or in the early 2008 period, we started to actually see a divergence from that type of thinking towards more high profile landmark versions of temporary urbanism. And if you see buried amongst the sea of car parking are reconstituted shipping containers and a yurt restaurant. Do you see them? (laughs) This is the kind of stuff that was going on. So essentially, in a post 2008 divergence, actually people started to get very sick of temporary urbanism. Mainstream mediatic representation was that it's an obnoxious phenomenon. It needs to go away and pop up and pop off. But actually, there were a lot of questions to be answered. And really what the whole focus was, was about extraordinary temporary solutions of innovative, cultural, creative projects orientated toward leisure, trade, tourism, and urban greening. Beach bars in Berlin, pallet pavilions in New Zealand, and urban orchards, and I mean, I've never been to an urban orchard, which is a start. But really interested in innovative developments. However, the entire discourse was largely focusing on the power of temporary use, the potential of temporary use, and even in some cases, the magic of temporary use. And so the whole point of this was kind of knock temporary use down a peg or two and get the grips with the reality of it, because actually there must be something wrong with it. it. Couldn't be as good as every every urban orchard. I've never seen one. So. That's what this is about. And it was temporary use in England's core cities. And actually, it's a comparison between these extraordinary versus the ordinary. So high profile versus good quality surface parking. There were three focus areas. One was on the extent, the level of temporary development in cities, spatial patterns. And finally, the perception of temporary development by the development industry, by ourselves, by professionals. What do they mean? Why would we use them? And so in that sense, What's the extent of happy, healthy, temporary development? Well, across a national landscape of England's core cities over a 15 year period of time, not much. Essentially, 5,890 cases or applications for temporary development, 626 were of these extraordinary types. That isn't very many. So actually, really, there's a reality. There must be something going on that we need to talk about. And really when it was broken down, it became a tale of two core cities between Liverpool, which had the highest frequency, good old cultural creative Liverpool, and Bristol, which had the highest percentage change, the greatest increase during the recession and recovery period, which is regeneration policy incentivising these types of temporary developments as a means to renew spaces. When you apply a spatial mechanism, we also start to look at the role a little bit differently in the sense that As there's been a cherry picking in brownfield land, literatures and agendas of particular sites, these extraordinary temporary uses tended to focus largely on central locations. So there was a high clustering in city center areas. And on top of that, then, there was an overly, well, a disproportionate frequency in regeneration areas. Ordinary temporary uses were sporadic all over the place. So actually, there's a very specific role and function. So that's what we're starting to get to grips with. And really, in order to analyze that, you have to break it down right into the micro. And you have to look at the development process in specific context. And actually, this entire temporary phenomenon has to be analyzed as a formal part of the development process and broader development cycle. Otherwise, you can't really understand what it means. So I did that as well. I love it. Love temporary. And it was a comparative analysis between two regeneration areas. So, Temple Quarter in Bristol, which is just, as in Bristol, Temple Mead Station is just within that boundary. And then the Creative Quarter in Liverpool, which is just opposite, or just to the the right of Albert Dock. One is public sector-led, with temporary development that is public sector-facilitated. The other is private sector led with temporary development that is private sector enabled but both focus on exactly the same type of practice and that was digital tech regeneration and cultural creative clusters. Very interesting post recessionary model. So in Bristol there were seven cases that were very interesting, three good quality surface car parks and four extraordinary cases of container box offices and urban agricultural projects. These were all promoted purposefully via regeneration policy to basically incentivise and brand the Bristol-Temple Quarter spatial framework. So most of these uses are gone. The agriculture is replaced with an arena, for example. That's fine, it's not a problem. Liverpool, again, similar number of interesting cases. You have four good quality surface car parks, so one more. And three or four instances of the extraordinary, which included garden venues and music venues and bars and the botanical gin garden specializing in gin. I don't know if that is part of the happy, healthy agenda. I'm not sure. Okay. But anyway. And really, actually, what we see in Liverpool is the private sector attempting to capitalize upon temporary uses that are innovative and creative, but have been completely organic. One signs slightly more accessible and progressive than the other. And Bristol really sounds like it's really trying to do a lot of hard work to create some sort of a mechanism for these temporary developments. However, they both have exactly the same implications for these types of cultural, creative, or happy, healthy temporary solutions, in the sense that the research has shown that they are more commonly exposed to the vicissitudes of the market They bear a disproportionate share of potential risk, often without the ability to actually generate a reward, in the sense that restricted timeframes and greatly reduced permission windows means that they actually don't commonly make profit or even break even. Most cases are done as a means to try and show or sell what a particular organisation can do. And that's a big risk. And that actually leads to one of the more fundamental points, is that, as with any startup business, these are Start up businesses with long-term aspirations and a desire to eventually make profit, so they're not temporary at all, and that's a really, really fundamental point that was often missed and there's complexity and cost. So in most cases, infrastructure and groundworks was in excess of about 35,000 pounds. Investment levels were typically set at between 50 to 200 grand, not really accessible everyday urbanism. We're kind of part of that problem. I'm an urban designer myself, okay I'm not going to blame anyone in particular, but <coughs> We do have a habit of prioritizing the particular and the extraordinary at the expense of more ordinary and everyday things. And through this analysis you can start to see the multivariate nature and form of temporary development. And really what it starts to do is address the idea that we need to go beyond the overly celebratory. And in that sense it necessitates a deeper understanding of the variable market logics. why temporary uses or solutions are put in place at specific times or why in specific places. Those questions have to be answered. And not to end on a negative, but I will end on a negative, is that ultimately, cultural creative temporary development cannot be a solution for every urban ailment. What we need to maybe think about now is the idea that there's the ordinary and the extraordinary, and we need to think about the middle ground. So not too negative, progressively critical, I would say. Thanks very much.